everybody. Welcome to BO Boys for Monday, January 24th. Fuck it. It's a raw feed. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat. And Pat, I want to just pat myself on the back real fast before we do this Mm -hmm. plow because I nailed this top five. Nailed it. Yeah. Yeah, you did. You did nail it. And it wasn't an easy top five to nail. There no. were definitely some variables out there that could have went could have went the other way, but they everything went Clayton's way this week. You know, I wish I could have more weeks like that, but you know what? Life is long and it's a rich tapestry. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? Because you nailed it, I think you have earned the honor of doing this week's plow. Plowing through the top five that you predicted perfectly why don't you just plow through it well i gotta earn it i earn it every week Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but more so this week on other weeks you just do it this week you've earned it all right well let's start with back at number one spider-man no way home 14.1 million dollars down 30 percent it lost 220 theaters it now stands at $721 million in its sixth frame. Number two, Scream, made $12.4 million, down 59%, added two theaters. It is at 51.3 in its second weekend. Number three, Sing 2, $5.7 million, down 28%, lost about 147 theaters. It's now at million in its fifth weekend. Number four, a newbie, Redeeming Love, $3.7 million. It is its first weekend, so it just got there. Number five, The Kingsman, $1.7 million, down only 20%, lost 150 theaters. It is at $31.5 million in its fifth frame. That is your top five. That is your top five. I'll throw out one uh, movie that fell out of the top five that we're definitely going to have to talk about this week. The other new wide release of the weekend, The King's Daughter, which uh, was a movie that we talked about last week, was made in 2014 starring Pierce Brosnan, and it's him trying to... Uh, uh, make relations with a mermaid is the plot of that movie. And that movie finally was released this past weekend and it opened to $750,000 at 2,170 theaters in its opening weekend. So we'll have to talk about that one. Yep. $346 per screen. Wow. Wow. It's, 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 Incredible when you mentioned that Spider-Man No Way Home lost 220 theaters this week. And you see The King's Daughter opens. You see Redeeming Love opens. That means that there were definitely theaters that said, you know what? We're get, we got to give away Spider-Man No Way Home because we have to, in its place, put the king's daughter in there. And could you imagine being one of those theater owners this weekend just realizing what they have done? Well, it was a contract they probably signed seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. That, 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 yeah, these, the, the, that's, 
That is true. That's how these the king's daughter got on all these screens. Those must have been ironclad, irreversible contracts that whenever we decide to send this movie out, it doesn't matter what's playing, doesn't matter what you have in there, you have to put the king's daughter in your theater. And there's so many theaters under new management in that time. And some some right. some guy from Gravitas shows up mm-hmm. with a thumb drive and says, "All right, which theaters are for the King's Daughter?" Mm-hmm. Theater manager's like, "What the fuck did you say to me?" It's like the King's Daughter, you know, the Pierce Brosnan movie that everybody's been clamoring for. Mm-hmm. What are you talking mm-hmm. about? So they quickly make some adjustments. I'm sure that happened. Right, right. And then the guy just says, "Listen, I'm just delivering a thumb drive." Here's the contract. You know, you're, you're, it, it could be the theater owner's dad who used to own that theater and passed away in 2015, you know, and he's the one who signed that contract in 2014 with Gravitas Ventures and, and said, no matter when The King's Daughter comes out, it has to play in my movie theater. Yeah, and now ma- that guy's son, who inherited this movie theater, he inherited this bow tie cinema or you know, this uh, Uncle Jack's local movie theater, whatever it's called. And now he's the one who has to take on his, like we uh, generations often do, he has to take on his father's mistake. He has to show the king's daughter because his dad uh, uh, got hoodwinked back in 2014 and and now he he has no choice. The contract is ironclad. He's got to remove Spider-Man No Way Home from his theater to show the king's daughter because his dad screwed up seven years ago. But you know what? Spider-Man No Way Helm, still it prevailed because it went back to number one over mm-hmm. Scream, which mm-hmm. dropped only 59. They were thinking it was going to be more like 61. I mean, this is a this is an okay drop for a movie like this, which is a horror movie. Yep. And for uh, most of the most of the other screen movies had similar type drops, other than the first one, obviously, which went up. But that's a, a whole different case study. Mm-hmm. But you know, a lot of I hear a lot of pundits out there saying, "Why isn't this movie taking advantage of it being the only movie out there? Why couldn't it overtake Spider Man?" Why, 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 why isn't it doing better? And it's already grossed more domestically than four did. Yes, yes. And, and I in, think in 10 days, it has grossed more than Scream 4 did in its entire run. And, and we've talked, listen, we've talked a ton about the Scream movies. We talked about the Scream movies last episode. We had a special episode with Chelsea White co-head writer of the Drew Barrymore show. If you haven't listened to that mm-hmm. episode, listen to it. If you've seen the movie, it is spoiler riddled. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. this is a franchise that number three, people didn't like. Mm-hmm. Number four, people didn't like at the time. It seems like people have come around to it. But this is a franchise that is now having to rebound from two movies that people didn't like. Yes. And I think that it's regaining people's trust. The The buzz on this is good. It's certified fresh. I I, I like how much this is making. I do think it's going to have legs. The 59% drop does not scare me. 
again, everybody's acting like, oh, Spider-Man's a regular movie. It is at $721 million. It's got its eyes on Avatar. It beat Black Panther. Mm-hmm. If it's, It might not beat Avatar because it's going to be close if it does. But still to say, well, why couldn't Scream beat it? It's because it is a monolith. Like, it's a steamroller. We've talked about this. It's yeah. It infuriates me when people say stuff like that. Yeah, would we love Scream to have made $70 million by now? Yes, but I don't think that this was a movie that was capable of that because I think the fan base is rabid, but the casual fans are tentative still. Right, right. Well, and and you look at this drop. So Scream 5, 5 Cream dropped 59% from Weekend 1 to 2. That is what we have been seeing for any movie that opens up at number one. You know, just looking at the post-pandemic, you know, 2021 year. A movie opens up at number one. It has a drop of almost 60%. Just to a man, every one of these movies, Black Widow, F9, on and on and on. That is what's going to happen. And then it, then you see in Weekend 3, Weekend 4, do they level off or do they continue dropping big? That's And the then, big like one. you said, you throw in the horror movie factor where horror movie drops are always bigger than regular drops. So it's a horror movie that opened up really high at number one. There was always going to be this level of drop and the fact that it was 59% and not 65% is a good sign. I think next weekend is where we're going to see does scream start to level off. I think it will. I mean, I think if you look at scream where it's at now, $51 million total after 10 days, you start to, 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 to think about where the finish line could be. Is this a movie? I think it's, Definitely going to get into the 60s domestic. And then you start to see, will this movie hit 70, 75, 80? 80 is probably the ceiling. Mm-hmm. I think if, if Scream ends up in the 80s, it is a a giant success. Yeah, I think 70 plus is a, is a success. Under 70 at this point is good, but maybe a little disappointing after the opening. Because you want to see any movie have at least a two and a half times opening weekend. So the fact that Scream's opening weekend was, what, 31 million, you kind of want to see it get to 75 million total. Yeah, it was around 30 point something. It was, but it was, we could say 31 round up. Yeah. Um, And and I'm going to, I'm going to, and from what I've been reading, the budget on this wasn't huge. So this this is a movie that's going to be profitable. Mm -hmm. But I think next weekend is where we're going to see does it drop another 50 to 60% from weekend two to three, or does it start to level off around 40% drops? Which I think it will, because like you said, the reviews on this are good. The audience scores are good. It has a lot of name value. As we're going to talk about, there is nothing else coming out this weekend. And the two new movies that opened up this past weekend, I don't think are going to pose much of a problem for anyone other than the theater owners that uh, took Spider-Man out of some of their screens to put redeeming love and, and the King's daughter in. So I think scream 
is going to have a pretty clear path for the next couple of weeks to just keep doing pretty well. And it's got the third best second weekend of the franchise behind Mm -hmm. Scream 2, which second weekend was 13.9, and Scream 3's, which was 16.3. And of course, like we said, number one, if it would have been released... Number one had to hoe its own row in such a way that it, it's that's kind of skewed because the the box office went up in successive weekends, and so it's it's just it's hard to compare this to that one. Yeah, you should only compare Scream sequels in terms of box office. Scream one, 1996, is such an outlier in terms of what that run was. Um, and, and the first yeah. two movies went went, went uh, over a hundred, or at least hit a hundred. But that was when they were cultural phenomena. That's when they right. were so new, and they they kicked off a whole meta horror trend. They created a trend. This film is not doing that. So I, the fact that it's not going to make a hundred, I, I just don't think you can be disappointed in that. Oh, definitely not. I mean. Again, that wasn't ever going to be the barometer of success for this movie. The fact this movie getting over 70 million domestic is going to be more than enough for Paramount to want there to be a Scream 6. You know, yes. I, I think that was the whole the 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 uh the whole thing you were going to see out of this run was if this movie would have topped out at, you know, $40 million domestic, if it had opened up at like $14 million and and only ended up around 30 or 40 then that's the end of the franchise. But mm-hmm. this movie getting to 70 maybe getting to 80 I think that unless the cast, you know, decides they don't want to come back at all anymore, which I don't think is the case, I'm sure they're going to take those paychecks, I think 70 or $80 million domestic makes this a slam doink that the Scream series is going to continue. And I think, yeah, the objective here was to take this IP that had been Mm -hmm. sitting pretty dormant and brushing it off and creating a way in a direction for it to be, go come back to prominence. And I think it is, this movie has done it. And if you're comparing it to a movie that is, and we don't talk about global, but Spider-Man No Way Home is now the number six all-time global hit with $1.69 billion, and that's without China. So mm-hmm. this film is a unprecedented success. So to, to say uh, Scream isn't doing what it needs to do is, is just ludicrous to me. Yeah, and I'll throw this out there as a recent comparison. So you had Halloween Kills came out October 2021. Its second weekend drop was 71% mm-hmm. versus Scream just having dropped 59% in its second weekend. And Halloween Kills topped out at about 92 million domestic. And that is a huge success for that movie. Oh, yeah. So... I think Scream's drop of only 59% is a success, is a win. We'll see where it levels off. I will 
actually pat us on the back a little bit, give us a little bit of credit for the box office, because as you said, we had a very special bonus episode this past Friday. It came out. Everyone should listen to it. We did some deep dive spoiler talk, movie review talk on Five Cream, Scream 5, the whole Scream franchise. And we got a message from one of our listeners, a wannabe old boy, wannabe old girl, wannabe old person, person, Aaron, who let us know that because of how much she wanted to listen to the bonus episode, she went out and saw Five Cream in the theater this weekend just so that she would be able to listen to the spoiler episode. So that is at least one example, and I'm sure there are many who right now stay silent, but that's an example of someone who went and bought a ticket to Five Cream because of the B.O. Boys. Yeah. I mean, we're powerful and influential. We don't like to pat ourselves on the back about that too often, but it's just the truth. Yeah. It's the difference between... A 59% drop and a 60% drop, which are functionally the same, but the optics on it are very different. So, you know, if it took that bonus spoiler episode to change the optics on Scream Second Weekend, on Five Cream Second Weekend, then, you know, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with contributing in that way. I would actually say it's very important because Scream 4 actually dropped 61%. And now that, that was from a much lower perch but still we right. definitely we definitely saved this movie in the eyes of the public right right so now, and also think... it, you know we're not the streamo boys we're not the fandango now boys we're not the uh itunes movie chart boys but i do think scream is going to make a lot of money downstream we're not the downstreamo boys but this is a movie that i think is going to do really great on paramount plus mm-hmm Mm-hmm. As something that is going to get people interested in that service. And, mm-hmm. you know, listen, I own all of the Scream movies digitally, and this will be no mm-hmm. different. Yeah. And, and you know, the Scream movies, especially the early ones, were always huge blockbuster video, Hollywood video type movies. You know, those, those, were, those were up there with Clerks and, and other, you know, famous video store success stories of the 90s. And I think that's going to translate, like you said, to all the VOD platforms. And if I were Paramount, I would definitely delay putting it on Paramount Plus after the theatrical run, put it on VOD, and put it on, you know, the same way a lot of bands now, they press a certain amount of vinyls for every album that comes out to, to, to sell it to the, the real music buffs. I think five cream, you make a limited amount of, of VHSs, you know, make some VHSs for five cream, throw those out there on the market, mark them up to like 500 bucks a copy. And I feel like this is the type of audience that you'll be able to make a killing on some jacked up priced VHSs. I love that idea. And I'm not a guy that has a lot of income that I can just Mm -hmm. throw around but Mm -hmm. if there was a scream five five cream vhs available to purchase i would have a hard time resisting it yeah i think you would have to in your situation ignore or rip up some medical bills 
you know, just just hope that maybe those those doctors either forget or they they walk off a cliff or whatever. And the money you set aside for that, you would have to spend it on the five cream VHS. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think Scream, Five Cream is one we'll obviously be following and we'll see if the drop levels off next week. But I, I think that the story there is solid drop and this is probably going to get to a number that's going to be a, a big success for Five Cream. Um, any of- other holdovers that you want to talk about or do we dive into the newbies? Well, I just want to mention, because we don't talk much about Sing 2, mm-hmm. other than, as we said before, it's now endemic. It will touch all of our lives, so you just have mm-hmm. to deal with it. But this is mm-hmm. a film that is available at home on PVOD, mm-hmm. and it still made $5.7 million in its fifth weekend, dropped only 28%. Wow. People are going to see this movie in theaters. They have the ability to see it at home, and they are going to theaters to see it. So, like we said, if theaters give people things to watch, things they want to watch, product, the people will come. Yeah. 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 I mean, that that is a great drop for a movie in its fifth weekend to only drop 28%. I mean, Sing 2 is I would say other than an opening weekend that's probably lower than a little lower than what what you would have expected from it if you know if it came out tw- two years ago more normal times mm-hmm. otherwise sing 2 has played completely normally this entire run I mean this run these drops from weekend to weekend the weekday totals, are seem to be unaffected by the context of, of of this time. This is just what this movie always would have done. And like you said, it's already available at home and that isn't affecting things. Mm-hmm. And it's been um, able to bypass or, 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 or sidestep that sort of secret life of pets to curse. It feels right. like the Sing franchise has more juice because they can always just take new songs, popular songs that were popular in the last few years in between Sing movies, and you have a koala bear sing it, and kids love it. Yeah, yeah. I actually got a insider's perspective from a four-year-old this weekend, a family member, and... The review was Sing 2 is better than Sing 1. Now, again, we're not reviewers. We're not critics. My niece also, thank God, is not a reviewer. She's not a critic. Never will be. And so that's not what we're here to do. That's not what she was there to do. But she did say Sing 2 was better. Wow. So I think that is a great sign. A a rare, better sequel. Yeah. She did not say that about Secret Life of Pets Part 2. Um, did not say that about Cinderella 2 or Cinderella 3, which were both straight-to-VHS movies from 30 years ago. Cinderella, she said, is better than the sequels. But well, Sing those 2... I mean, she thoroughly panned those. Yes, yes, 
Yeah, she 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 basically said not worth watching. But Adam's Family Values better than the original. So she she has she has done a great job of picking out sequels that are truly better than the originals and she's putting Sing 2 up there with Adam's Family Values. She has credibility in my book. Right. Right. So I mean this is a movie that I I think is doing everything right and I think like you said the Sing franchise is not going anywhere. It is something that humanity is going to have to live with for a long time, many years. This is not something that we'll look back and say, in six months, we're done with the Sing franchise and it's all over in its history. It's not going to be that. We will be talking about and living through Sing for years. And And, human beings are highly adaptable. I I mean, Mm -hmm. the ability to adapt to things like Sing one and then sing two and the variants that will come after that. I mean, there's just the indomitable spirit Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of humanity shines through when when they are faced with things like this. Right, right. And someday there'll be, you know, 100 years from now, there'll be classrooms and there'll be history books and they'll look back and they'll talk about the people who live through all the sing variants and they'll say they did it they got through it they persevered they 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 succeeded during the sing era mm-hmm. and that is what they'll say about us that humanity pulled through there were many sings but life went on and we persevered. So let's let's talk a little bit about the newbies. I know you're you're itching to talk about redeeming love, which came in at number four, like I predicted. Mm-hmm. And I think you predicted that too. I think the only thing you had wrong otherwise was you you thought Scream would prevail over Spider Man. I did. I had Scream at maybe making like thirteen or fourteen, and Spider Man basically making right under it. But we always, I always knew that would be a, a, a you know, a horse hairs, uh, a, you know, breath away. Yeah, and sometimes reality hands you something that makes your prediction not as correct as you would have mm-hmm. wanted it to be. Right. We've all right. been in that boat. I've been in that boat several times, and. I think that there's 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 no reason to be ashamed, not that you are, and I think it could have gone either way, and it just went mm-hmm. the way that I predicted. Mm-hmm. But we nailed Redeeming Love. We both assumed that this was going to be by far the bigger of the two new releases this weekend, that the you know this is a religious movie. It did have some crosses in the in the trailer, but it had humping, so let, which we thought you know, like we said, if you touch a crotch you got to touch a cross and uh, i think it did that but 3.7 i think we both were around four on this we thought it would would do around Mm -hmm. this this amount Mm -hmm. yeah it does seem like unlike other movies targeted at the religious audience this one just wasn't religious enough you know it, it didn't have enough crosses in the trailer for the amount of crotches that it hinted at. And I think there was some amount 
for sure of of charter buses coming from the churches to the cineplexes, but not at the level that gets this to a nine or ten million dollar opening. It you know, just there looked- were some buses that I think were were maybe called. People were filing into them coming out of the church uh, parking lot. They drove to the church. Everyone got out of their cars, and then they're getting on the bus. That way, they don't have to drive to the theater in separate cars. They all get on the bus together. And as the bus was pulling away at some of these churches, I could see someone running over and saying, you know what? I watched the new trailer on on uh, my God phone, which is, you know, the, there's I'm sure there's versions of iPhones underground that are religion specific. And there are some crotches in this. Maybe we should exit the bus. I think th- I, I, I'm sure there was some of that based on that trailer where buses were charted, but then didn't go all the way to the theater to pick up the tickets. Yeah, to them, that trailer was downright raunchy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's look. We've got some uh, uh, demos here for this film, some uh, some data. So this was not a huge hit with the audiences. So according to Deadline... Other face-based movies, which typically went over their audiences with an A+. Imagine this is a genre where the average is around an A+, which is a perfect score. There Mm -hmm. is nothing higher than an A+, and that is with faith-based movies typically average. So Redeeming Love received a B+, uh, cinema score. So that is really bad. I mean, that is, God, that is a situation where... You had it. You you had these churches sending a bunch of people there, and then they saw this movie, and there were more crotches than crosses, and they came out and they said B plus. That is that's rough. Um, eighty five percent positive on Comscore, seventy two percent recommend, and not surprisingly, the South is where this movie made most of its dough. There were no. New York City or L.A. cinemas in the top 100 for this movie, for Redeeming Love. South reaped close to 60% of the movie's gross versus the business average of 35%, which is what the South usually does for a new movie. Mm-hmm. So heavy in the South, heavy, I'm guessing, in the church charter bus demo. Not so much in New York and L.A. Now, what were these gender and age breakdowns? So, females were at 79%. Oh, my God. That is incredible. Yeah. 79%. Uh, And then it was 80% over 25 years old, 51% over 35. So, this is a definitely an older skewing movie than most movies currently are. I mean, mm. most movies at this point, even something like uh, uh, Five Cream, Scream 5, which is a nostalgia play, was still mostly youngsters. Yeah. And Redeeming Love was basically 80% middle-aged women. I mean, it's the thing is that if you target a demo, it'll come out. Yeah. But this did not seem like the type of movie to get word of mouth 
on that, you know, win on Friday, they didn't go back and say, you know, at Saturday church, hey, after Sunday church, you should go see Redeeming Love. I, I don't feel like that was the talk. No, no. I think I think on Saturday church, instead of talking redeeming love, they just talked whatever the Bible reading was. Mm-hmm. You know, it just didn't come up. Which you know, when you have one of these well reviewed, well liked, uh, A plus religious films, they're coming out of Saturday church. Someone saying, "Man, what about that gospel today? What about that Old Testament reading today? Would you think? What's your angle on it?" And that person is saying, uh, you know, whatever, it was a good Bible reading, but we need to talk about God's not dead, too. You've got to go see that tomorrow. And that didn't happen with Redeeming Love. You know what I think probably happened with Redeeming, redeeming Love? Is they went and saw it after Friday church. Mm-hmm. They were so scandalized by it mm-hmm. that at Saturday church, they went to confession Mm-hmm. And talk to their priest about it, that mm-hmm. they saw this mm-hmm. raunch fest called Redeeming Love, and how they're they're ashamed. They, they what can they do? And a priest can't talk about what someone says at confession. So it's not like mm-hmm. the priest can mention Redeeming Love to the next person who comes into the confessional. So right. he's not the kind of word of mouth. You can't create word of mouth in a confessional talking to a priest. So that's probably where a lot of these women talked about redeeming love. And that's just screaming into a canyon. That's just that dies. It's a tree that falls in the forest. Wow. That is that is so dead on. That is so dead on. That's the opposite of uh, uh, basically social media. Mm-hmm. You know, because if, if everyone goes to see a movie on a Friday and they're all tweeting about it, and obviously tweets aren't ticks, but at least that's a way of I could send my recommendation out to the world and anyone could see it. But as opposed to Twitter, confession is a form of social media that cannot spread. You can't you can't reconfess someone's confessional. Mm-mm. You know, you you can't uh 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 you, you can't even like it so that it shows up on, on your feed. You know, you, you, you just never know about it. The confession is one of the least effective forms of social media that there's ever been. Oh, absolutely. And so, and, and so I think that's probably the downfall of this film. Yeah. Yeah. That all the, all the chatter about redeeming love and even all the recommendations, because I, you might have, a lot of a lot of these middle-aged religious women who went to go see Redeeming Love on a Friday went to confession and yes they maybe needed to confess that they feel like they have sinned for seeing this movie but in that confession they may have recommended it you know they may have told the priest uh, or the reverend or the deacon or whoever uh, uh, father I have sinned I have seen Redeeming Love it's a it's a new film about uh, uh, a character who is sold into prostitution and then has a romance. Directed and, and by I DJ Caruso, I, who also did Suburbia. Right, And right. Eagle Eye. And at that point, the priest is intrigued because the priest or the deacon or the, or, or the reverend, he liked Eagle Eye. It was a, it was a solid movie. It was a, it was a solid, you know, middle-brow, overachieving movie. 
and he may have liked that. So he's in, he's intrigued that this director has a new film. And then the woman who's confessing, she's saying, you know, I may have, I have sinned. It was pretty good. I had a good time. That's a sin. The fact that I had such a good time at it. And the priest is hearing this pretty decent, you know, not rave review, but a, a solid recommend. And like you said, there's nothing the priest could do with that. He can't take that recommendation and pass it along. Whereas if if he was on Twitter and he saw someone confess on Twitter that they loved this movie or, or, or thought it was okay, that priest or that reverend or that deacon would be able to retweet it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a inefficient way of, of getting word of mouth for a movie. Yeah. Because even, even if the priest, I mean, the only benefit would be maybe the priest goes to see it. Right, right, right. I I don't think there's anything against the church bylaws for a priest taking something they've heard in confession and, uh, at least using it in their own life. I guess who knows? You know, he maybe he's not allowed to see the movie if the recommendation came through a a confession. It you know, possibly you might, not. You, right. You may have a situation where there were some priests who were considering going to see Redeeming Love at the end of the weekend because I'm sure. They're busy Friday and Saturday are probably their busiest times. They're doing last minute rewrites on their on their homilies and on their uh, church speeches. So Friday night's probably like an all night writing session. Saturday morning, you're doing rewrites and edits. They probably can't see new movies until Sunday night until they're, you know, they finish all their shows, all of their, uh, 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 you know, the the uh, masses that they have to deliver and that priest is getting a confession on Friday or Saturday. The the person is talking about redeeming love, and that and that priest is like, now I can't even go see it because it, I heard about it in a confession, and I'm not allowed to act on anything I hear in a confession. So the, that that priest maybe was going to see it on Sunday night. Now they're not allowed. Yeah, it, this is a priest. There could be a priest that was sitting there, mm-hmm. and. Her, hearing about this movie, hearing that it was directed by DJ uh, DJ Caruso, Caruso, and thinking, oh, a religious film directed by the same guy who did Taking Lives that Angelina Jolie and Ethan Hawke erotically charged thriller from 2004. And now I cannot see it because someone came in and confessed to it as a sin. Right. And there right. you lost a customer. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, none of this stuff matters for the religious movies when there's a huge opening weekend because they do huge charter bus uh, 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 business, which didn't happen on this movie. And none of this matters when the word of mouth is outside of the church, people talking in the parking lot, when the word of mouth comes from the priest talking about it in their sermons, in their homilies. That's all fair game. You know, that's the type of church word of mouth 
that could really make these movies huge hits, that makes your God's Not Dead series huge hits. But when the word of mouth comes from confessions, from from churchgoers feeling like they have sinned by seeing this opening night, that's the kind of word of mouth that does not add to the B.O., yeah, and so let's really quickly because we have to we have to move on. But mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about this the the other newbie, which did not even sniff the top five, even though it was no. it was a very slow weekend. Number eight, The King's Daughter, made seven hundred fifty thousand in two thousand one hundred and seventy theaters, three hundred forty six dollar mm-hmm. poor screen average. This is, you said you said before the show, Gravitas Ventures. This was his biggest release ever. Yes, yes, twenty one hundred theaters. That is definitely. I mean, like we said, Gravitas Ventures is that is the logo you see when you have dove deep into a streaming service movie section. You know, when you are five pages into whatever your streamer is. That level of indie movie, that's when you start to see Gravitas Ventures uh, uh, logo at the beginning. Now, this film was better liked by critics than Redeeming Love. It had 26% mm-hmm. on Rotten Tomatoes. But the people who saw this film did not like it. They gave it a low 31% recommend. Wow. Wow. And then this that was is, the same sort of uh, older women. Uh, Quentin saw this. Women, yeah. 54%, 84% were over 25, 63% were over 35, and 44% were over 45. This was an old demo. Yeah, that is that is shockingly old. I don't think we have seen this elderly of an audience in any movie since we have had the reopening in spring 2021. I mean, I, I can't think of another movie that is skewed as old as The King's Daughter. It's funny because all of those over 25s, so if, you, you're, if you're 25 now, when this film was shot, mm-hmm. you were 18 Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there is something, you know, we have been talking a lot about nostalgia with a lot of these movies, five cream with Ghostbusters afterlife. I mean, the King's daughter is the ultimate time travel movie because you're basically going to see something and going back in time, seven years to 2014 when this movie was made. And so that could be, a reason why it's skewed so old is the older you get, the more intriguing it is for you to time travel to the past. Yeah, I mean, that's that's something that is, I mean, listen, it's pre-Trump. This movie was mm-hmm. shot pre-Trump. Mm-hmm. And it's it's right, it was shot like just two years after Indy Sleaze ended. Right. Which right. is now so back. A, yeah. It's, so it's a time people wanted to go to, but 44% of the audience being over 45. I mean, again, the older audience has been by far the most hesitant to come back to movie theaters, uh, uh, you know, 
because of the pandemic. But they, you know, and again, this is in very small numbers because it's 44% of an incredibly tiny opening weekend. Absolutely. This movie made $750,000. But it's still such a high percentage to be this old. And it's a, it's a, it's a shows the power that Pierce Brosnan has on that older audience. But I don't think that's something that could really be a feather in Pierce Brosnan's cap because it shows the power that Pierce Brosnan had over this audience seven years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, this is Pierce Brosnan seven years ago that they're all going to see. Pierce Brosnan now in 2022, he's not the one in this movie. So... It's not really – I don't think this is a, an opening weekend in any way that Pierce Brosnan's reps could point to in any kind of PowerPoint chart that they use to, you know, to, to prop him up at a meeting going forward. You know, mm-hmm. they can't even say how well he did with an older demo because the easy thing to, to answer back is, well, they were going to see Pierce Brosnan in 2014 and we're, you're trying to sell me on Pierce Brosnan 2022. That doesn't compute. Yes. Um, yeah, this is, listen, this is going to be a movie that I would assume is going to be shedding theaters immediately. You know, it, it really all depends on what the contract situation, what these theaters are obligated I mean, listen, do, the co- but- I mean, it, it, they waited. They they had to take this thing after, what, seven years. I mean, this contract might be. And once you it's in your theater, you can never get it out. Right. right. It's got to be it's playing Kings- on one screen in, in perpetuity. Right. 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 The King's Daughter might be like bedbugs to, uh, uh, you know, to certain AMCs, which is they're never leaving. One showing per day per life, and that's it. It doesn't have to be – listen, it could be right when you open. It could be at 1 a.m. in the morning while everybody's sweeping up, but it's playing. Wow, that per theater average, the King's Daughter, the per theater average was, like you said, $346. And you have to go all the way down to Venom, Let There Be Carnage, at number 16 in its 17th week to find a lower per theater average. Venom Let There Be Carnage did $241 this week. And then after that, you have to go all the way down to like 25 to Eternals, which did $167 this week in its 12th week. Mm-hmm. This was the opening weekend of The King's Daughter, and it did $346 per theater so these theaters that are showing it next weekend this is the albatross of all albatrosses if you have a screen that is showing king's daughter next weekend and you can't get out of it that is just a nightmare scenario yeah well i mean there's there's nothing coming out only limited no major releases coming out it is dumpuary this is par for the course I mean, we were maybe going to get Morbius, and then that got pulled. So, I mean, this is just yeah. what – this happens a lot. It's one of those things. This is a time of year when a lot of people don't go see movies, 
and yeah. it's no different now. You this is again, you cannot blame this low weekend on the pandemic on anything else other than the fact that the two new movies this weekend were a religious movie that had sex in it, which is a pretty rough box office proposition and a Pierce Brosnan mermaid romance that was made in 2014. The fact that those two movies did incredibly bad business has nothing to do with a pandemic. It has only to do with the fact that the King's daughter in the, in the, you could have opened this movie in the best of times and it was always going to be a historic disaster. Absolutely. Now, do you want to talk about something else being blamed on COVID? Sure. Mission what Impossible is it? 7 mm-hmm. and 8 mm-hmm. being pushed back again. 7 into 2023 and 8 into 2024. So we've got 7 coming out July 14th. 2023 and eight coming out June 28th, 2024. Yeah. I mean, I think this is another situation where we're just here to calm everyone down. Everyone who's freaking out that, you know, Oh, Paramount must know something. They must, uh, the movie business, but is going to push everything back because they just know that the pandemic's going to get worse. This has absolutely nothing to do with that. I mean, my take on this is they're moving the Mission Impossibles out because they've already got Top Gun Maverick, a huge Tom Cruise action movie coming out this Memorial Day weekend, coming out May 2022. And you might as well space out your giant Tom Cruise movies once a year because... September 30th for Mission Impossible 7 was always a weird opening weekend for what is a a huge franchise movie that is one of Paramount's most important properties. Mm -hmm. You don't open that in late September. And I know that we're seeing big movies open at weird times, especially now. You got stuff like Venom coming out in early October and doing Baffa Bobo. And it could have been a huge hit opening on September 30th, but it wouldn't have been maximized, you know? So moving mission impossible seven out to the following summer, it makes sense. It's not a COVID move. It's really not. No. Paramount is being, I think being smart here Mm -hmm. as much as it's a bummer. uh, I, I, I think they're being smart business wise, but I don't like when COVID becomes the scapegoat. Right. Because number one, we have to we have to tell people the truth, which is what mm-hmm. we do. I mean, we like doing that, so it's not like I'm complaining about doing my job here. But I wish that they were more upfront about the real reason. People can take it. People would understand. People aren't right. going to go out in the streets and scream uh, in front of the Paramount Building because they. They uh, thought that this got pushed back for purely business reasons. I mean, whatever. People are going to go see this movie whenever it comes out. There's a devoted fan base. People have waited years for new uh, entries into this franchise. 
Uh, what's another year? Exactly. Exactly. And and I think this is a situation where it's because these are all Tom Cruise movies and they're all Tom Cruise movies for Paramount. You know, if Top Gun Maverick was a Paramount film and the Mission Impossible movies were Universal Studios, I think then they probably don't move Mission Impossible 7. It's the fact that Paramount has all of these movies and they need them all to be hits. You know, because Paramount doesn't have a, a huge comic book franchise. They don't have Star Wars. They have Star Trek. You know, they, they've got some B properties. And Paramount's A property is basically Tom Cruise. And so they need to make sure every Tom Cruise movie is maximized. And that is why they're moving their next Tom Cruise movie to the summer. Basically, they should only open Tom Cruise movies in the summer or, you know, if they could land the right before Christmas slot. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you don't open your Tom Cruise movie on September 30th if you're Paramount because these Tom Cruise movies have to be gigantic. And and I have reason to believe, and I've talked about this on previous episodes, uh, people go back, listen to all of our previous episodes, obviously, that Maverick is going to be a smash. Yeah. The 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 people who got to see this film already raving about it, test screenings, test audiences. It was, it it's been, it's been compared to test audiences who saw Titanic. Mm-hmm. Not that it's going to make Titanic money, but I think this could be a smash and I think it will be a smash and they want to make sure same way that, that Sony gave Spider-Man some breathing room and moved Morbius. I think they're doing the same thing here. Yes. Yes. I mean, Tom Cruise is to Paramount what Spider-Man is to Sony. Tom Mm -hmm. Cruise is Paramount Spider-Man. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll continue uh, on this story and see if there's any more movement. I kind of feel like this is the, uh, where these movies are going to stay. Yeah. Cause it's, it's landed the summer slots, which makes so much sense for these mission impossible movies. And then I think it's pretty likely, you know, you've got top gun Maverick in 2022 mission impossible movies in the summer of 23 and 24. And we might end up having Top Gun Maverick 2 in summer of 2025. You know, Paramount is just going to try and get a Tom Cruise movie in there once a year, ideally in the summer, until Tom Cruise blows himself up making a big Paramount movie. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that to me is the only reason why you shouldn't have a Tom Cruise movie in the summer if you're Paramount is if. Tom Cruise has already blown himself up on set of one of your movies. Yeah. Now, uh, before we get out of here, is there any juice in, in trying to do a top five for next weekend? I mean, ev- there's nothing. I was looking at the limited releases, and nothing. it's all – it's it's just so much thin soup because I couldn't even imagine any of these getting into a top five Something called Brighton Fourth, Charlie XCX, Alone Together, which is a concert film. 
GameStop Rise of the Players, which is some documentary about, I'm sure, the Reddit people who bought the GameStop uh, stop stock. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, it doesn't feel like... I mean, if we had a Japanese animation film opening in limited release, I could see that making it to the top five, but I just don't see... I think we're stuck with what we have on the board I'm looking, here. I'm looking at, on the numbers.com, their release schedule, and according to the numbers, one of the things coming out in limited release... On January 26, 2022, is, I guess, a re-release of John Cameron Mitchell's short bus? Yes. Um, which a film was I've a, seen. You know, I haven't seen it, and it's so up my alley. I think I do need to see it. It's set in a post-9-11, Bush-exhausted New York City. Short bus tells its story with sexual frankness. Um pleasures of the flesh imperatives of the heart i mean i gotta see this movie but this is an infamous uh 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 sex movie a movie with yes. a lot of sex i think there is a uh uh a load that is shot across the screen if i'm not mistaken there is a uh, man attempting to fillet himself in the movie so in this movie this is Possibly getting a re-release. This movie came out in 20, 2006, so it doesn't seem like it, there's even a anniversary for it. You know, it's not like this is the 15th anniversary. It came out in October of 20, 2006. So I, I don't know where the numbers is getting this information. I don't know why they have this on the schedule for this Friday, January 26. But all to say, I don't think short Well, that would bus- be Wednesday. Not a Friday. That would be this Wednesday. You're right. Okay, so it's coming out on a Wednesday, which then really is going to affect its its three-day because you figure a lot of people will see it on the Wednesday and Thursday. But not much reason. Could we agree there's not much reason to think that John Cameron Mitchell's short bus from 2006 being re-released this week is going to have an effect on the box office? No, I won't have enough time to see it. Uh, multiple times this week. Right. So Enough then, to, to with, push it up the chart in any significant way. So with that being said, looking at this coming weekend, do we think anything is going to change then in the top five? I mean, one thing we haven't mentioned in top five, just give a shout out to number five, the King's Man. Made another one point seven seven million dollars. Only dropped twenty percent. It's now up to thirty one million dollars. And wannabe oh boy Austin, he's been writing us a lot about singing the praise of the King's Man. He's he's really impressed with how low the drops have been, and the fact that there's a good chance the King's Man is going to end up grossing more than West Side Story in the long run. And then the Matrix Resurrection. So he's been high in the King's Man. So I want to shout that out. And, oh, I mean, I think looking at it, I do think we're going to have some shifting around in the top five. In the bottom of it. In the bottom of it. So, you know what? I'll do a predictions. Why not? I'll do a top five for this coming weekend. So this would be um, for next weekend, for Friday the 28th. 
that weekend, I mean, I think obviously Spider-Man No Way Home is going to stay at number one. There's no reason to think that Scream is going to shoot up and get past Spider-Man at this point. So Spider-Man No Way Home number one, Five Cream, a.k.a. Scream 5, stays at number two, Sing 2 at number three. I mean, Redeeming Love is probably going to fall pretty hard next weekend, so it won't be at number four again. So Kingsman number four, and then, God, does anything... Does Redeeming Love fall so far that... All right, here's where I'm going to go. Number four, The King's Man. I think there will be a religious movie at number five, but it won't be Redeeming Love. It'll be American Underdog, the Kurt Warner story. I think moves from seven to five. Great call. Great so call that's because my, people that's are football my... crazy right now. Yeah. Yeah. They're f- exactly. We're coming. We're in the middle of the NFL uh, postseason, huge games all over the place. People who don't usually care about football are getting into it. And they're going to want no breaks from football. They're going to just want, if there's no football on TV, they'll go see it in the movie theater. So yeah, I think American Underdog, the Kurt Warner story is going to get to number five. And it's going to be that thing too, where we're redeeming love. Everyone who's talking about it at the church, they're talking about it in confession so when people say, hey, you, any good movies you'd recommend, you know, when they say that, that person at the church is going to have to say American Underdog because they can't even admit that they saw Redeeming Love. Yeah, I think the only reason we're going to, the only way we're going to find out whether priests actually are able to go see movies that were either recommended or talked to them about, spoken to them about, in confession is if the redeeming love number one has a small drop, but also those demos change. Right. If we see right. men now being the predominant, or at least you know being a larger percentage. Yes. Yes, it's true. If if more men go to see redeeming love this weekend, then I think we know priests are allowed to go see movies that they heard about in a confession. That would be clear. I think that the top three are going to stay the same, obviously. Spider-Man No Way Mm -hmm. Home, number one. Scream, number two. Sing, number... uh, Sing, two, number three. Mm -hmm. I love your American underdog pick, but I'm not going to take it because I feel like I... If you're correct on it, it's just going to be great, and I don't want to just ape that. Although I think there's a, a great shot. I do agree that Redeeming Love is going to plummet. I really think it's going to plummet. So I would mm-hmm. say then five is going to be the King's Man, and then I'll put 355 at number five. So you think number four will be the King's Man, and then the 355 will be number five? Yeah, I'm sorry. What did I say? You had King's Man at five and 355 at five. Oh, so yeah, sorry. Four for the King's Man and then five for the 355. Cool. I love it. I mean, listen, the box office news never stops. And even on what we thought would be an off week, it's going to be really exciting to see what this top five is. Yeah. Because there's room for movement down there at the bottom. And here's yep. the thing. I don't think Licorice Pizza is opening wide next weekend because it was holding off. 
because mm-hmm. of because you know it's still doing well. Uh, number ten made six hundred eighty-three thousand, down mm-hmm. only twenty-two percent in seven and hundred and seventy-two theaters. It's at ten million, ten point seven. If this mm-hmm. opens wide, that's a possibility too that that gets into the top five. So yeah. I don't think there's plans for that just yet. I think they're doing fine where they are, staying in the top 10, waiting for the award season to really heat up. Then they're going to pop that into big, uh, to a good amount of theaters, and we will see that movie possibly in the top five when that happens. Yeah, yeah, that, but I, I agree. I don't think that's happening this weekend, so I don't think Licorice Pizza is going to affect the top five quite yet. And listen, next week's episode... We're obviously going to be talking about what happened this coming weekend, but we will then be looking ahead to what will be a big opening weekend because in a couple of weeks, early February, we got the opening weekend for Moonfall, which is the new Roland Emmerich uh, blockbuster, and we're going to have Jackass Forever opening that same weekend. So next weekend show, I think... We'll we'll touch base on what happened, but we're gonna spend most of our time looking ahead to Jackass Forever. So that's gonna be huge. Good buzz on Moonfall too. Moonfall could be yeah. a big, big film. Yeah. I mean listen, it's been talked about out there, but there is some thought why didn't ne- why didn't either Moonfall or Jackass Forever get pushed up a week? to take advantage of nothing coming out this weekend. One of them could have opened on Friday, January 28th, instead of both of them opening up on Friday, February 4th. Mm-hmm. You know, this is probably a missed opportunity for Moonfall, I think, to have just moved up a week. And that movie could have opened at like $25 million if it had Moonfall, the week to itself. I feel like, would have been the one to move because I feel like Paramount wanted a little space between Scream, uh, Five yeah. Cream, and Jackass Forever. Yeah, yeah. So we'll talk about all this next week. You know, next week's episode is it's just going to be huge. Well, where can they find us, Pat? Email us at theboboyspodcast at gmail.com. Here's what I'll say. Our email address is not confession. We are not bound to the same rules and regulations as a priest is. Uh, when he takes confession. So if you email us at the Podcast at gmail.com, we are free and clear to use that recommendation to either go see a movie ourselves and to spread what you say out to the masses. So it is a useful form of communication, unlike a confession where the track has to stop cold. If you email the Podcast at gmail.com, with some great info, great uh, 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 firsthand accounting, we could then spread it worldwide. So take advantage of that. Yep. And uh, rate, review, and follow. We got a new review on Wednesday from a listener. And they said, funny and informative. They are my important go-to information source on movies. Thank you for the great work, Pat and Clay. Absolutely love you guys. Thank you. I think Japanese symbols possibly in the name. But listen, translation, you love us and we love you. 
thank you so much for that review. Very much appreciated. And uh, always great hearing from our wannabe old boys, wannabe old girls, wannabe old people. People. Yeah, keep them coming. Um, Let's get this going. Let's get our our ratings up. We haven't asked you before. That's why we don't have very many. I'm sure they're going to flood in. Pat's dying, so I think there is nothing left to say except for until next time. We'll, we'll smell, smell you, you at the, the box, box office. office. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs>